And the title of the sermon is The Freedom of True Discipleship. If you found it, you can make a marker. We're just going to ask you to lift up your Bibles or the device that you have found the scripture on. Amen. And we're going to say our declaration. We're going to read the word and then we're going to pray and get straight into it. All right. So after me, you can just say it. After three. One, two, three. This is God's word, not Brother Desmond's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So John chapter 8, verses 31 to 32. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it reads, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Here ended a reading of a portions of God, a portion of God's word, and we honor it by saying, "Thanks be to God." Let us pray, Heavenly Father. We do thank you. Thy word is truth, and we bless you, Lord God. We thank you. You are so so good. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Father. Thank you that we're here, and you have brought us to hear from you. Brought us here to hear from you, Lord God, and we just ask you to open our hearts receive. Open our minds to understand. And Lord God, enable us by your spirit that as we hear your word and you bring clarity to it, Lord God, we will seek to walk in obedience. We will not only hear it, but we will be obeyers, Lord God. And so Father, have your way. Speak to us. Let your will be done. For your name's sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Amen and amen. Amen. Alright, so this morning, uh, we are going to be looking at discipleship. As I said, the, the title of the message is The Freedom of True Discipleship. Emphasis on true, because uh, there are some who claim to be disciples, and they're not. So we're going to look at the true discipleship. What it means, or what is the prerequisite, to being a true disciple of Christ and some of the awesome benefits that accompanies him, right? As most of you would know, if you've been attending the church for some time, and um, you would know that the motto for Church on the Rock Oterios is making disciples who make disciples. So you hear that, right? And it's accomplished through our mission statement, which is we exist to win the lost, connect them to the church, train them up, send them out to glorify God. Right? And so that's our mission. And the, it, the, the motto is that we'll want to make disciples who make disciples, having been made disciples of Christ. So we seek to live out the great commission according to Matthew 28 verse 20. Right? Go ye therefore. Right? And share the gospel. Making disciples who make disciples. Teaching them to observe all the things that we have been taught. 
Amen. So this message is actually in line with a Bible study. We're going through a theme in our Bible study called Back to Basics. Right? And uh, what we're going to look at is the basic principle of abiding in God's word. Right? That in, the incomparable benefits of abiding in God's word. And uh, we're in December now. You know, we're having Christmas on the next week and all of that. So we are approaching Christmas. And, you know, basically that's a time that as Christians, we celebrate or we acknowledge the birth of Christ. Right? You, you hear, always remember the reason for the season. Amen? But I want us to also keep this in mind as well as we celebrate that. May we also celebrate that we, as children of God, we've been born again. And we now have this awesome privilege of becoming like Christ. And so, throughout the season, you will seek to demonstrate the characteristics and the attributes of Christ, be a blessing to someone, you know, be used by God to invite someone to Christ, or have just sharing the gospel, or just have God, having God use you as a child of God. You are like a little Jesus walking around. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bringing and make, seeking to see goodwill being done to all men. But this scripture is, like I tell you, it's, it's an awesome portion of scripture, right? Because it refers to the preeminence of our remaining and continuing in the teachings of Christ, which is the word of God, um, and what it means to be true disciples and eternal deliverance, transformation, and newness of life that can occur as a result. So, in all actuality, said it earlier, like you could hear a scripture like this, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And we could just say, go home and meditate on that. Awesome, awesome portion of scripture, right? Like, when you hear that, it should just like, there it is. There's deliverance, there's hope. You know, there is, there's the way that we can actually experience freedom from all the things that will try to entangle us in this world. Amen? Amen. So, in terms of discipleship, this is what it points to that. Our ultimate goal, our purpose as believers, is to be conformed to the image of Christ. You know, a lot of times persons want to, you present it, we warn people about hell. And to come to Christ is because, or to become a Christian is because you want to escape hell. Not a nice place. And so, to be a Christian means, I'm going to go to heaven. Truth. But ultimately, what you want as a Christian is that you are being conformed, that this is your desire, this is your purpose. you're being conformed to the image of Christ. And this happens through discipleship. Right? So, the scripture says this in Romans 8, 28 to 29. And we say it a lot, you know, because this is one of the scriptures that we we'll use to encourage ourselves and encourage other people, especially when certain things happen. As Pastor Omar shared about his family, you don't want to go to him and say, Pastor, Romans 28, 8, 28 says, all things Work for the good for those who love God and are the call according to his purpose. What is the purpose? For those or for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he may be the firstborn among many brethren. Get it? You're born again to be conformed his image that you also will be used as a disciple who will make other disciples. Premier thing. Alright? So heaven is good. 
Ah, the inheritance that is laid upon the saints, awesome. But focus on this, that you should be allowing God to shape and form you into the image of Christ. Alright, so we're going to try to unpack this awesome portion of scripture. Uh, but we're going to look at three key terms, right? One, true discipleship. Two, abiding in the word. And three, shall make you free. Alright, so this true discipleship, abiding in the word, and shall make you free. What does it mean to be a disciple and what constitutes true discipleship in relationship to Christ? And so that's the first point. Who is a disciple and what constitutes true discipleship in relation to true discipleship in relationship to Christ? The Greek word for disciple is mathetes or matheteo. And it is used to describe a student, pupil, learner, or follower who imitates their teacher or master. So it's not just by head knowledge. It's not that you're just going to go do a course and and learn something. You're actually going to be learning from the teacher to do what he's doing and become more like him. That is how you can be... That's how you'll be called a disciple. Alright? So, I'll give you an illustration. I'm from Steertown, and a lot of people don't. <laughs> Joshua is smiling. He's from Steertown, too. Right? And then, there's not a lot of good stuff being said about Steertown. It wasn't always that way. It used to be a good community. And I, was, I don't live there anymore. Right? But, <laughs> but anyways, it's, it's kind of it's, it's, it's rough there. And um, they have, well, this year, uh, it, it was the, the first murder that was recorded in Jamaica was in Steertown. And um, so I called my brother, who's still living there, uh, just kind of get, load on what really happened. And he, he said to me, why, and he calls me my, my pet name, says, Eggy, here's the thing. You see them youth here? They don't really understand what's happening, you know. They get up every day, and they listen to this man bleach out his skin, putting on all these tattoos, and he's singing about violence and killing. And this man is in prison. So here's the thing. What do they think if they're going to be listening to this person and trying to follow him, they're going to end up exactly where he is? And I was like, that's Bible. That was wise. My brother is not a Christian, right? But I was like, and I was, so basically, and it's teach, the, the person who goes by the, the moniker of teacher. You guys know what that is, right? Uh-huh. I, I, did, I did a teacher, right? I can say, right? And so basically, what is going to happen is that you, it's like more are caught than are taught. And listening, looking, and following this person, you're going to end up exactly where he is. So if you're looking, following Christ, you're going to be exactly where he is as his disciple. So that's the goal. Amen? Amen. So basically, a disciple is a learner who endeavors to obey what he has learned. Alright? And so even though more are caught than are taught, there is a place where you have to be deliberate in what you're learning. Deliberate to practice what you're learning. Being obedient to what you're being taught. 
right? Because you are you have you have intentionally set yourself to say, I want to be like my master. I want to be like my teacher. And so whatever is teaching, whatever is being taught, you are you're not only just soaking it as a silver as head knowledge, but you're you're paying close attention that you're going to practice exactly not only what he's saying, but how he's going about his daily life, whatever he's doing, because he wants to be just like your master. It's a disciple. Amen? And so discipleship in the Christian sense is the process of making someone become like Christ. The disciple of Christ is to become like Christ in everything. And I think that is most encouraging, the most exhilarating thing. To know that as children of God, you can be like Christ. We have this awesome privilege of being like becoming and, 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 and exhibiting the attributes and characteristics of Christ. Yeah, that, 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 that is astounding. Right? And um, when you think about it and you get to understand how great this is, you will enjoy the process and the training of becoming like Christ. Because there's this theme theology. There's this theme preacher, John MacArthur, and uh, he has a question and answer segment sometimes after his sermons. And there's this youth leader who decided to go and uh, ask him a question. And I was happy when I saw a youth leader step forward, being a youth leader myself. And I wanted to hear what the question was and what the answer would be. And so the, the, the youth leader asked him, and he said, um, Pastor John, can you outline just three principles that you believe that as a youth leader I could implement to see the hand of God move heavily in my ministry, or in the ministry? And Pastor John said, oh, that's easy. And I'll, I don't have to give you three principles. I'm going to give you one. And he said, this is it. Whatever you're doing, Present the person of Jesus Christ. And when people look at him, they will see his glory, and in so doing, they'll be transformed into his image. One basic principle. That covers not only youth ministry, but all ministry. Present the person of Christ, and when people look at his glory, they can be transformed into his image. I'll always remember that. Amen. And so to become disciples of Christ, though, so now we outline what disciple, who is a disciple, and our discipleship and true discipleship to Christ. To become disciples of Christ, we must be born again. You must be born again. John 3, 3 says, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. John chapter 1, verse 13 says, um, we've been born again, not of the will of man, not the will of flesh, but of the will of God. Right? This is not something that we can just conjure up. I can't give you a 12-step program to being born again. More than, as the scripture says that, you confess with your mouth, having believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you shall be saved. It means that God is at work, pulling you to him, that you can recognize your state, that you are a sinner in need of salvation, and you cry out and ask God to save you, and he'll do that by having you been born again, by his spirit. That is God's work. Amen? Amen. But you must be born again before you can say you will 
follow Christ. Right? So, but discipleship and salvation are synonymous. Those who have been born again invariably follow Christ. Right? You know, when you look at the scripture, it starts out by saying, uh, Jesus said to those, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. It says those who believed him. Right? And we always call, like we call each other believers. If you're in, you're Christian, you're in the body of Christ. Believers. And he's saying, but if you, then you are really truly my disciples. You're like, why would he be saying that? Uh, you've heard it, the, well, he shared the parable of, you've heard the parable of the, the sower, right? You can go and check out in Matthew 13, verse 1 to 9. But it tells you of the sower sowing seed, which is the word. And it falling on rocky ground, falling on the road, like the, the, we call it Jamaican term, roadside, where birds can come and pick it up and all of that. And then on some soil, but then after some thorns and things choke it up because of the curious world, and then there's good soil, right? It means is that some people at first may receive it. Yeah, man, this is true, but they don't continue in the word, and so they fall away. Right? And so, but so, you being saved is really going to be intertwined with you being discipled or with discipleship of you being changed and conformed to the image of Christ. Right? And, um, I hear this, right? So, I have a co worker. She's one of the most diligent workers. She's like, like, I admire her and I'm so impressed with her work ethic. Really nice young lady and stuff. And then last year when the COVID outbreak was like really hitting on down in, right? And some of you know I caught the, I contracted it and stuff. And um, where I work had to be shut down. There was a cluster thing happening there. And she was one of the persons. So she was having a headache. And she was saying to me, she said, why, Deslan? It's really serious in it. Like God coming for his world. You know, but I, I, I know what I'm going to do. Like when it really looked like this thing really gets serious, I'm going to just ask God to forgive me and then see if we get to go to heaven. <laughs> she have an exit strategy, right? <laughs> and so, but there are a lot of people who think that way. Like, I'm going to put this off until it looks like it really comes down to the nitty gritty. Like, when I'm in the hospital on my deathbed, I can now say, God, forgive me. Save me. Because God is a forgiving God. Right? And I'm not saying God won't do that. But I'm thinking like, you know, it's better. It's better. Do it now. Today if you hear his voice. Right? Answer. Right? And so, I, I thought about it and I've shared this at Rock Teens too. The truth is that if you should, if, like, if she should really just at the end, oh God save me and take me to heaven. Without her being conformed to the image of Christ, without her having the desire to please God in everything, if she gets to heaven, there's going to be problems. God go like she probably won't like it because now she has to be something like she's supposed to be in awe of God's authority, and that's not really why she wanted to go. She just wanted to escape hell, and that's the point, you know. They really don't want to go to heaven, but they just don't want to go to hell. Amen? And discipleship is what is going to 
bring about even the sanctification that is drawing us closer to God, shaping us into the image of Christ, that we actually are going to want to be in heaven and actually enjoy being in heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so, only those who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit can be followers of Christ. That's the only way you can follow him. He has to be in you. As I said, you have to be born again. Born of the Spirit. His Spirit must connect with the Spirit that is in you that you can actually want to follow. That's the only way you will follow. Romans 8 verse 9 says, No, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. He is none of his. If you don't have his Spirit, you're not his. And you won't want to follow him. So you have to be born again. And you have to understand that your salvation is intertwined with discipleship. You need to be trained. You need to be taught. You need to be following and, and operating in a way that Christ operated, having his spirit in you so you can be led by him. Those who are led by God have his spirit. Right? So, note briefly though, in the notes, there is a cost to being a disciple of Christ. We must be willing to leave all to follow Christ and put him first above all else. And you can jot this down. Anything of real value must cost you something. I wish you earlier that becoming like Christ is the premier and most prestigious thing for a human being. Right? But so if, it, if, if it is this valuable and most valuable, it must cost you something. And here's what it really costs you. You're supposed to be willing to leave all to follow Christ. And put him first above all else. Here's what the scripture says in Luke 14, 26 to 33. Christ explaining what the cost of discipleship is. And if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Goodness gracious. That's Jesus. It's, if you look in the Bible, it's written in red. Jesus is saying this, right? And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is unable to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still great, a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Right? When you have time and you go home, always do this after sermons, go and read your Bible, look at the scriptures. If you look up before, starting from verse 2, you, the Lord shared a parable in the same chapter 14 where there, there's an invitation to a banquet and they invited one man and he said, no, you know, I just get married. You understand? Like, have my excuse. That's exactly, that's exactly what the scripture says. Please have my excuse, right? And Next man, 
come to the banquet. He said, I just bought a team of oxen and I need to go test them. So please have my excuse. All right? And I think the other first part says that there's this man who was supposed, I think his father died and he's supposed to get an inheritance. And he said, I have to go tend to that. Please have my excuse. Right? Because why? The reality of it is pointing. To, and then he comes down and he explains where he says, if you don't hate your mother and father. Right? The truth is that what will always keep us from a relationship with God and because it's going to cost possessions, pleasure, and profit. I always point to those three things. And power. Well, four. Power, possessions, pleasure, and profit. The pleasure of some kind of relationship or whatever you can get out of it, put off God. Right? Some kind of something that you own have. A business. A team of oxen. Go test them out. You know, oxen at that time would plow, plow the farm and great, you know what I mean? It could be used livestock. That was wealth in that time. Keep them, keep you from your relationship with Christ. And he's saying this. When he says, if you don't hate your father and mother, wife and children, the hate there is not the hate according to what we consider to be hatred and having like this destructive uh, attitude or thoughts towards someone. It's this. It's a comparative love. You must love me so much that the love for me is so great that it almost seems like you put everything else aside. And that is the cost of discipleship. And that is the cost that a lot of people are not willing to pay. But anything of real value must cost you something. Amen? Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. However, the privilege of becoming like Christ and being a joint heir with him far outweigh, exceed, and override any earthly sacrifice. The awesome thing is that when you put God first above all else, whether mother, father, wife, children, you know that actually the only way you can truly love them. Because now you being a disciple, they can see Christ in you and they actually have hope now. Of actually being able to get experience and experience a new life and have a relationship with God. And so you putting God first and not allowing yourself to be allowing yourself to deviate because of something that is in line with what they would want is actually the best thing for them when you are zooming in and you have now put everything aside and focus on Christ. Amen. Him being first place in your life. You have to be willing to leave all and follow him to be his disciple. But the reward is great. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so now we get to point two. So we looked at uh, the true discipleship. Now, if you abide in my word. The operative word here is if. means it's Conditional. It comes with a condition. That means there is a choice. You have a choice in the matter. If you abide. Right? If you so choose to abide, then you will show that you are, you are proving to be my disciple indeed. A true disciple. And so, point two. True discipleship is marked by abiding in the word of God, which means to remain, continue, dwell, or to hold to. The word abide here is a Greek term 
meaning meno, well, which is meno or menuente, right? It means to hold to or dwell in, stay in, continue, remain, right? The reality is that whenever certain challenges come, the human reaction or most times it's either to fight or take flight. Right? So we either, as Christians, I believe, we're going to fight the good fight of faith, holding on to the word, remaining in it, or you're going to run. Jamaican term, take away yourself. And find another way to see if you can work it out. According to, oh, you might be thinking it's better, or somebody else that is not in line with the word tell you to do it. Either you fight or you take flight. The encouragement is fight the good fight of faith. Stay in the word. I'm sure this is a good pastor in his ear. Pastor Mira is here. You know, not too long ago, I went through something where I was so challenged within myself. I felt inadequate. I felt like I was missing it. And I, I, I called three persons. Left a, not called, I left a message. Pastor Omar, Pastor Dean, and Okito. And each one of them spoke to me and they encouraged me in the word. Pastor Omar spoke to me from a relational standpoint and relationship with God and with others and the growth that God is working in me. I spoke to Pastor Odin and he said, ministry, never vacate your call to ministry. Fulfill your ministry. That is the word. Okito spoke to me and he, he actually said, look at what God has been doing in your life. Look at the other people. Pastor Omar mentioned that too as well. And I recognized and I was encouraged to continue and to remain and to abide in the word. And here I'm here today sharing that with you. God, to God be the glory. And so I'm going to encourage you because I was encouraged to remain in the word. And to continuously abide in it. And allow God to, to conform me to the image of his son. We all feel inadequate at times. We all are challenged. But abide in the word. Make it your life. Make it your point of reference. As Pastor Omar said earlier. Look to it in every situation in your life. So here's some... In order to remain though and continue, we must seek to cultivate and develop a genuine love relationship with the word of God. Psalms 19.97 says, this is a long, it's awesome portion of scripture that a great dissertation on the word of God. Right? Awesome, awesome. How I love your law, David says, it is my meditation day and night. You know, in between service, Pastor Omar was sharing me like 1.30, saying that um, it, it, it's entrance to light. You know, in verse 130, you know what I mean? Um, it speaks to it being a light, a light and a lamp, right? A light, lamp, lamp to your feet and a light to your path. If it says, that word I've hidden in my heart, I think that's verse 11, that I may not sin against you. If you go 9 and 10, you know, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to the word of God? Like, love, like, seek to have this love relationship with the word. And how do you do this? Right? In the world, and this is something that you hear a lot. They say this, time is money. And that's something that Benjamin Franklin said. And I don't know, when I was out there, there was a song talking about, it's all about the Benjamins, right? 
Because his, his, his face is on the $100 note, US note, right? And so he said, time is money. And that is pointing to the value of time and the world value money above everything else. So he's showing like how precious a commodity time is, right? And so the, the reality is that it is a very precious commodity. And whatever we spend our time doing voluntarily or deliberately spend our time doing, we are demonstrating that we love it or we love that person. Right? You can't spend money on a lot of things that you don't necessarily love. Or even when you spend a lot of money, whomever you're doing it for or spending it on will probably still not feel loved unless you're spending time with them. You know that. Some kids, and parents will buy them anything they want, but they still feel abandoned because it's when you spend time that you actually communicate that you love. How does it come time to this? Spend time in the word. Make time for the word. Cultivate and develop a love relationship with the word of God. Have devotions. Have family devotions. I think Pastor Omar said it in the Bible study that day about, you know, you caring for each other and making sure you're having devotion and stuff. And um, Tani said us with my wife, and we usually do have family devotion, but Felencia, I tell you, Felencia is not a morning person. But since that, even if she doesn't feel like it, she has to get up and come have devotions. Tani is serious, right? And we do have it. And it's amazing. Felencia is just sharing now that what we were going through in the devotion was exactly in line with what she was experiencing in that time. And that's how the love of God, you can experience it once you spend time in the word. It's a prophetic word. It goes before you. It's right here with you. It's reminding you of what happened. And you, you like, it is a necessity. Spend time in the word. Abide in his word so you can be shaped and become like the word. Amen? Amen. And so, encouraging you again, the word of God is the voice and revelation of God. And as we grasp this truth, our passion and our desire should be set thereon. Right? The Logos word, it's the, it's the written word, and it, this is coming directly from God. Right? Charles Spurgeon said this, the Bible is not God, but it is God's voice. This is how we hear from God. Well, we've learned that you hear from God by the Holy Spirit through prayer, through the reading of the word, through other believers, and through circumstances. But primarily, this is how we hear from God. Through his word. Right? Romans 9. Romans 9. 17. Right? Like, when I learned about this, it kind of just caused me to develop a different love for the scriptures. Right? Romans 9, 17. It says... Let me find it real quick. Right. It says, it says this. This is what it says. It says, For the scripture says to Pharaoh, the Pharaoh. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Where is that coming from? Look at Exodus 9.16. Right, it's not overhead. 
But indeed, for this purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. This is God speaking to Moses, to the Pharaoh at the time. This is God speaking. But what does it say in Romans? The scripture says to Pharaoh, you want to hear from God? Go to the scripture, the word. I, I, I tell you this, you've already heard from God. I've read a few scriptures. That is not me speaking. That is God, the creator of the universe, who is speaking to you. Nothing mysterious, nothing high over the top. There's not to be any mystique about it. God's word is his voice. And he speaks through the scriptures. So you want to hear from God every day, all the time? Get in the scriptures. Stay in the scriptures. Continue in the scripture. Amen? And it's God. It's a revelation of God. Now, this one, while going through my devotion, this one, like, this another, lift me up into the, my love walk with God. Luke 24, right? Verses 13 to 27. You can read it. And you can go all the way down to 35. It's about the, the road to Emmaus. Emmaus. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it's, it, it's talking about after Christ was ridden, risen, and these two men were on a journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is like seven miles outside of Jerusalem, right? And while they were walking, the risen Jesus showed up with them, right? And you know what's amazing is that he asked, they were having a conversation, he asked them, what kind of conversation are you having? What are you talking about? And they said, where have you been? Have you not heard what happened to Jesus and he died and all of that? And Jesus Actually, he said to them, O foolish ones, slow to slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? You know what I realized? Like, he didn't just say, See me here, man. This is Jesus. You know what it says? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures his things concerning himself. So Jesus Christ, the reason Jesus was there, and what did he do? He pointed them to scripture. Because the revelation of God is not going to come over a man coming and saying, I'm Jesus. It's going, it's in the word. That is how God is going to reveal to you. I, I, I say it clearly and I say it boldly. That's why you could have something like what happened with the allegedly called pastor in Montego Bay. You have a man coming and telling people, you don't want power, come and give you power. Any person is doing that, as a false prophet, an imposter, and somebody who's working for the devil. Anybody who's working for God will point you to the scripture so you may see the revelation of God. Amen? Amen. And so, this is how you'll know if someone is telling you the truth or they're a true preacher of the word when they point you to the scriptures. So it's the voice and the revelation of God. And, and when you recognize that, how can you not love his word? Why wouldn't you have a love relationship with the Bible? See, I use mine. Probably not as much as Pastor Omar. But I'm getting there. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm getting there. You might, yeah, I'm getting there. So use your Bible. Read. Get into the word. Spend time. This, is, this relationship should be the most 
first and foremost, it's the voice and revelation of God. You get to see him in the word. Amen. And that's why now, true disciples seek to have all their actions, decisions, thoughts, opinions, motivations governed and directed by the word of God. When you recognize that this is the voice and revelation of God, right? Your reaction should be just complete submission. You don't need to question this anymore. I tell you, even the Roman scripture, it, it, it says, Paul says, who are you, O man, to question? Like, you get to the place you recognize, this is God speaking. Whatever you say, I will do it. What do you want me to do, Lord? You just want to get into what the scripture says, what it means, and obey. And so, there's a scripture for every circumstance or situation in your life. And, and here's the thing, and that's a good part too. Sometimes, something might be going on, go speak to the pastor. There is a word that you can be pointed to, to handle or to deal with that situation that God will get the glory. Amen? Amen. So that is it. Like, so I'll seek to, a mark that you're a true disciple is that you're always seeking to, 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 to ascertain what does the word say. You don't need to figure out life, you know. You just need to obey. You just need to obey. So as we obey the commands and principles outlined in the scriptures, we gradually become more and more like Christ. Simple, simply put, without obedience, there will be no transformation. It's in your obedience that you'll experience the transformation that is conforming you to the image of Christ. Now, here's the benefit, of just outline one benefit of abiding in the word. As you become one with the word, because you know it's now your habit. You're now becoming like the word, habitually practicing what is in the word, and so you know, like you're, you're now like, like exhibiting exactly what this represents. And someone can look at you and say, "Man, I can see Christ in you." Right. So as you become one with the word of God through faithful obedience, we will hear, we will bear much fruit. And we may ask for anything and it will, will be done for you. I used to, like, I remember the first time I saw that scripture. Like, I was like, yes. I can ask for anything and it will be done. And then Christmas is coming up now. You can imagine, like, if you ask for anything and you can get it. No? You might be like, um, oh. you know what I mean? Like, what do I read? What do I really want? I, like, it's anything so I can ask for everything that I want, right? No, it's really that because you are now one with the word, you're seeking, you're going to ask according to his will for his glory. And so when you ask that, it will be done. Because abiding in the word will cause you to now line up with his will and you will desire for his will to be done. That's why you pray it, thy will be done. Abiding in the word, transformation takes place and now anything you, you bear much fruit. You'll be used for great exploits, right? God will use you. You'll be able to see the fruit of the Spirit. You'll bear much fruit, and God will be glorified in your life. You may ask for anything, and it'll be done. That is awesome. I hope you agree. Amen. 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 And so we're coming to our close now, and it's the third point. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
So, here's the thing. Even though he says, abide in my word and you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. You know, one of the things is that people believe that the word doesn't make you free. It actually restricts you. They think that it is restricting you from doing what you want. So really, true freedom is when you get to be in control and do what you want to do. The word is actually trying to control and keep you bound from enjoying life. And a lot of people say, the Christian life is boring. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have all of it in it because you have to now live according to the word. And so the most deceiving and enticing aspect of sin is that it promises freedom. From the Garden of Eden, man has assumed that defying the word of God was a way to be free to control his own destiny. And again, in, in between service, Pastor and I were sharing, and he was saying that, you know, it's amazing that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. And walking with, it's, it's with, with, with the word of God, right? And that means that he was, ex, ex, he was enjoying this intimacy and this communion with God. And in the midst of that, deception could come in. Why? There's always this thought that there is more. And in yourself, because the deception first happens in you, and then you're tempted, because we're drawn away by our own desires. There's a desire for more, and that's why it's represented by a fruit, because what it really comes down to is covetousness and greed, which is idolatry. And even Christians, I have everything in you. Christ is enough. But guess what? There must be what? Something more? And God, you are restricting me and I won't need to be free to do what I want. When really and truly, the true freedom is when you're bound to the word and to Christ. Amen? When you're not, you're lost and condemned and going into swift destruction. So the same word that is keeping you saving you, you're seeing it as restricting you when it's really keeping you alive and that's what you need to be attached to. And bondage to the word is true freedom. Getting away from it is bondage to sin and death. Amen? So be careful that you're not satisfied with the word and Christ. Amen? Because here's the thing, we are all one slaves of sin in need of salvation. Because of that same greed, that same covetousness, the same needing to want what you want, how you want it. The same wanting to control your own destiny. The same wanting to think that I must be free to do whatever I want to do. I can be my own God. In the day you eat of the fruit, you will be like God. God is withholding that from you. You can go and eat it to be who you want to be and do what you want to do. Sin enter the world. Destruction and death. Yeah? But, so we, we inherited that and we were all sin, slaves of sin in need of a savior. And the only savior of mankind is the second Adam who is the truth, the life, and the way. And it's only in Christ that you can experience true freedom. And here's the thing. We are all still slaves. The Bible does not condemn nor condone slavery. Right? That's a hard thing for some people to swallow. But what it does 
point to you is that who is really your master? Because at the end of the day, we are all slaves. You're either a slave of unrighteousness or a slave of righteousness. Read Romans 6. And if even you man try to put in bondage, if you are Christ's free man, you have been made free indeed. You ever heard of Nelson Mandela? While in prison, he, you might not know it. He didn't, he's a Christian. I did some research before. Because I recognized that like, he couldn't be. That he would come out and like, have no hatred or not try to get back at the people. Right? He found out, and I heard his story. He found out while he was in prison. He said that me being behind these walls is not the true prison. I am in prison to anger and hatred. And until I can recognize that my soul needs to be free, I'll always be in prison, even if I'm not in these walls. And the only time he experienced freedom is when he gave his soul to Christ. And when he came out, he was able, all the people who would hate him, he actually even gave them offices to offer rating. And the rest of the world was astounded. And he's now one of the greatest representations of love and how to operate in political office. Because he experienced the truth of God and he became free. Amen? Amen. So seek to be a slave or a doulas of Jesus Christ. And we are made free when we have an experiential knowledge of Christ through abiding in his word. So remember, remember this, there's a difference between meeting Christ and following him. And I said experiential knowledge is this. There are people who hear, you hear of him. And you say, oh, I believe. But you aren't, you're not allowing yourself to experience and, and, and grow in Christ to have that transformation take place. And so it is, it's an experiential thing. It, it takes time. It's a process. And that's where the discipleship comes in. Where you're following. Not just meeting. Because a lot of people meet and turn away. The rich young ruler, he met Christ. And he said, you know what? You can come and follow me. You, what you need to do is, he didn't know it, but he was in bondage to possessions. And his status, money. That had him. And he said, you know what? The Lord, if you read Mark, it said, God, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, sell all you have and come follow me. And what did it say? He turned away with great sorrow because he loved. Those things had him. And so he met Christ, but he didn't follow. There's some theologians who say that he was probably supposed to be the one who was going to replace Judas. Anyway, I don't know the scripture didn't say that, right? But I can understand what they were trying to point to. That the opportunity came, he met Christ, and him not choosing to follow, you don't know what God would have been able to do through his life. And that happens to so many people. You need to have an experiential knowledge of God. Allow yourself to experience God in every situation of your life. All right? Because only the slaves and bond servants of Christ are free from the corruption, condemnation, and destruction of sin. Only the bond servants. You'll see Paul in his greeting sometimes say, Paul, the apostle of Christ, bond servant of Christ. James, the bond servant of Christ. Right? And the bond servants were, were servants who, even when they were able to, having served the time as a slave, 
could now say, go, quote-unquote, free. And they say, my master is so good. I want to stay. And they would get a mark. They will put them at a doorpost and they will, I think they will do a plug thing to their, like, yeah, bore something to their ear, something like that, right? And so, being a bond servant, you'd say, my master is so good. I want to stay. Paul said this in Galatians six seventeen. He said this, that, let no one trouble me because I bear in my body the marks of Christ. He's basically saying that I am a bond servant of Christ. I am like I have completely given up everything. I is my master. That's where I want to stay because that's where I can experience freedom from sin, from the corruption, and the damnation of this world. Amen. So that's where we should be. Look, think about this. True freedom is only in the submission and service to Christ. It's only in, in, in your submission to God and in service to Christ. It's you being bounded. you in a bond with Christ. You're a bond servant of Christ. That's the only way you experience true freedom. It's in true discipleship. Amen? Amen. The world may seem to offer so much, but the only thing that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And this world is passing away. It will be destroyed. And all it has in it is what is damning. Do not be deceived. Amen? Amen. And so, as true believers, we should endeavor to have a right relationship with the word of God. We seek to, to hide it. The scripture says it. Hide it in your heart so that you may not sin against the Lord. That you may walk in obedience and experience the blessing and the transformation that will take place by the sanctifying power of the word of God. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Thy word is truth. Right? True disciples seek to become like Christ in all they do. They seek to walk in freedom from sin by abiding in the word of God. You can check it. Check yourself. How or what is your relationship like with the word of God? What is your relationship like with the word of God? Are you abiding in the word? Are you experiencing the freedom that comes from being a true disciple? Amen. Amen. I'd like to pray. Because we know that it's only God who can change hearts. And even we committing ourselves to God, it's by His good will and His good pleasure. The scripture says it that it's both God who both will and to do in us for His good pleasure. Amen? Let us pray. And so Father, we thank you. We do thank you, Lord God Almighty, for your word. Your word that became flesh dwelt among us, lived a sinless life, and then was obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. And Lord, he paid the full penalty for our sins. And the scripture says that he, you made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so we have received from you, Lord God, imputed righteousness. 
to be placed in a right position with you, right standing with you, Lord. And in so doing, we have the opportunity to practice righteousness by abiding in your word and following Christ. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, we'll see the word of God as the voice of God and the revelation of God. We will value it above all else that we will spend time in your word. We will study to make ourselves approved, not being any, a workman that will be ashamed. But ones who will use to declare the truth and the mysteries of the gospel. Because we know that the preaching of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And we seek to see many saved as Jesus Christ is the firstborn among many brethren. May it be in this season and for all time to come in this age that we seek to see people being saved and growing in the knowledge and in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Father, we pray you have your way this morning or this afternoon in us, Lord God. And if there's anyone who's heard your word and they've been convicted by your spirit, May today be the day of salvation. May they confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in their heart that they will be saved. Father, indeed, may we be disciples who make disciples, who go, therefore, into all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things as true disciples knowing that you're with us you'll never leave us nor forsake us God we thank you we thank you Lord and as we pray according to your will the word says that if we may ask anything and it will be done so Father have your way Church on the Rock and the members of Church on the Rock and all who love the Lord God in sincerity that we as your disciples will make more disciples as we walk in this freedom that, have come, that comes with being true disciples. Lord we bless you we thank you, we seek to honor you in all things. To you belong all the glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have a blessed, blessed rest of today. Have a blessed rest of the week. Tomorrow we have foundation classes. You can be a part of that. 